Hello, and welcome to a chemically enraged episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. Today, we'll be reviewing part two of our Body Switch trilogy with 2019's Detective Pikachu. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Kid Noir, Pocket Monsters, Gotta Cast Them All, My Jellies, and He Stole My Balloons. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. This is Brett Mosher. It is uh, June 6th, 2022. Uh, I, I'm doing after hours work in the shop and I, I'm recording this video as, as proof of possible alien existence. There's there's currently a weird yellow creature trying trying to break into the shop right now. Oh, oh God, okay, it's, it's, it's in the shop. If, if, if you're listening to this, if, if you're listening to this, smash, smash that like button, subscribe to Hollywood Chop Shop, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh Jesus, the creature is breaking into my office now. Think, I think it's trying to, to communicate with me. Brett, I've come with a movie recommendation for this week's episode. Travis? What the hell are you doing? Whoa, whoa, wait. H how do you know it's me? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure why you're a furry little yellow creature, but I can clearly recognize your voice. We do a podcast at least once a week together. Uh, yeah, I guess that, that's fair. Well, what's the recommendation, though? Well, let's figure out how I've gotten this body by discussing Detective Pikachu. In a world occupied by elemental monsters that can be domesticated and repurposed for sport, an insurance appraiser must come to terms with the death of his estranged father. While trying to find closure, Tim Goodman comes across an electrically charged rodent with amnesia that sounds an awful lot like his dad. Reluctantly, the two team up to uncover the Pikachu's past in hopes of finding out what actually happened to Tim's father. Travis, we will jump into five-point inspection in just a moment here, but you know I want to know your quick diagnostic of Detective Pikachu. Um, I don't... We put this in the Body Swap uh, trilogy, which I guess technically you created the Body Swap trilogy, uh, which I guess technically was kind of a bit of a spoiler for this movie. Thankfully, it, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really think about the body switch part of it, the fact that that uh -huh. was a part of this trilogy, because if it had, obviously, it would have kind of spoiled the ending of the movie. Um, but thankfully, I, I didn't put that much thought into it until the end, and then I realized why why this fit into the trilogy. Um, Probably for the first two thirds of the movie, I I really loved this. I uh, I thought you had hit it out of the park again, much in the style of uh, the professionals, uh, which mm -hmm. we reviewed previously. Uh, I think it kind of falls apart in the third act a little bit, but uh, I really enjoyed it. They did a good. I'm not a Pokemon Pokemon fan at all. I, I'm vaguely familiar with the card game. I know probably three or four of the characters. Uh, but the movie does a good job of not forcing you to be a fan of the IP to actually enjoy the movie. They built a fully realized movie that just happened to involve the Pokemon universe. So uh, all in all, I, I was pretty impressed. Uh, what about you? 
Yeah, I I actually really really enjoy this movie. I think it's two parts. I think it's it is a legitimately good movie. And then beyond that, I also enjoy the the Pokemon aspect. Obviously, I have some nostalgia and I grew up playing all of those games. At times I'll still go back and play some of those games. So, I um I'm just a huge fan of I think the IP just in general. I love monsters and monster movies. So, the idea of like Pokemon, I think I kind of gravitate towards that just because I love the character design, even in the game settings, just seeing the different monsters that they come up with. And I think just uh, we'll get into it. But the way that they brought them to life, I thought was really, really cool, where they somehow managed to keep a lot of what they looked like as a cartoon, but still made it real enough that I wasn't like, this is a weird CGI thing. Like it's they they found the balance of making it true to what they were originally drawn as but still being able to make them live in a real world um but i just think it's a very smart movie i to your point i think most of the time when you have ips like this it is just cash grab like oh people will come see a pokemon movie so let's (laughs) just make (laughs) exactly whereas i think there was a lot of love put into this movie where they wanted to make a really good movie and then they also wanted to honor the ip um that that it comes from which i'm not sure if you know this or not travis but pokemon is actually the most profitable ip in the world right now uh i did not know that uh i also something else i noticed uh going way back to the beginning of the hollywood chop shop this is a uh, Toho property, is that right? Or Toho is involved in this? Just I believe like, so. Uh, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw Toho come up in the credits, and you you mentioned how much care you felt was put into this. I absolutely felt that, uh, and I know you mentioned there was a lot of care and thought put into Godzilla and how he would be represented in uh, Godzilla versus Kong. I felt that very much here. Um, the the IP, the characters of Pokemon. They, they wanted to make sure they were in uh, at least a competent, well-done movie. And I think they'd accomplished that 100%. Mm, for sure. And just well, before we move on, just as perspective, when I say most profitable IP, on that list, Star Wars is number five. And like the MCU, I think, is like seven or eight. Like So that is, I think it goes Pokemon. I think the next profitable IP in the world is Hello Kitty. And then I think after that, it's it's more stuff. I know Star Wars is number five, but yeah, that's that is how popular and profitable. I think even Mario, like Nintendo's Mario, is is again within the top ten, but not the top five. So that's just how popular Pokemon is. And this was the first Nintendo-related movie since the Mario movie back in the day, right? Yes, and I think that's an interesting thing when you say Nintendo, because Nintendo does not actually fully outright own pokemon they own i think they own 50 per like almost 50 percent of it and then game freak owns the other half of it um so it's it's as much as nintendo is the you know again owning 50 percent of it they it's their their property they're not going to let it go to other systems and stuff like that but nintendo is not wholly own own pokemon but uh enough of the background of the ip I think with that, we can go ahead and start talking about our, our five-point inspection. I'll just, I think we started talking about the the character design, so I think we'll just kind of finish that one out with pocket monsters. So, again, just as I, to, to echo what I said earlier, like, I just, 
it's amazing the amount of detail that went into because even if I'm thinking like, man, if I if I had done it, like I could have seen somebody really trying to go out of their way to make them look way more realistic. Like it would look like a real mouse or like Charizard would look like a traditional like Western dragon. But like they actually took the forms as they were drawn as you know, if you can remember what you can from the trading card game. So like and actually like kept those proportions and tried what would they look like in a realistic world. And I, I think they did a fantastic job. Like there's so much getting to go back and watch it again where I'm less focused on the story because I know what's happening where you get to see a lot of the references they put in the background and even just you know how the the Pokemon are interacting within the world I think it's just fantastic oh a hundred percent I I have to apologize to any physical like real life actor that was in this movie because anytime Pikachu was on screen I couldn't take my eyes off of him because they did such a great job animating him uh his facial expressions um so like the actual human acting in this i would probably have to watch it a second time to get an idea of whether it was good or bad it, it felt fine enough for me but anytime any sort of pokemon were on screen that that's what my eyes were drawn to i especially loved the little guy with the he had like a dinosaur skull helmet on i don't Cubone. know what that's called yeah, I love that little guy. Love that little guy. <laughs> when he shows back up at the end and he's like banging his little bone on uh yeah. God, I can't even remember the main character's name. Tim. Uh, Tim Goodman. Tim, yeah. Trying to make Tim fall off with the little bone. I, mm. I love that. And yeah, I agree with you. I am so glad because I, I have a visual memory of a lot of the characters from from the trading cards. I'm glad that they kind of just one-to-one translated them to the screen. Mm-hmm. But you bring up a great point with that Cubone. Oh, they brought him back at the end. This movie, again, it's it's a kids it's a kids family movie, and it does a better job of setting up things that pay off later than most movies do these days. Like a key example of that is like they set things up to where they don't feel out of place, like a MacGuffin later. Like it's just a thing. And an example of this is. When you first meet Bill Nye's character and he's got the 3D hologram that shows the car and all that and like, okay, he's a rich guy. You kind of believe this like you don't really think too much of it out of place there. But then they reuse the same technology when they're in the lab and the lab builds up so they can see what happened and how Mewtwo got out. I feel like if the first time you were introduced to that 3D technology was in that lab, you'd be like, oh my god, this is so dumb. Like, how do they have this 3D technology? But because they established it in an earlier scene, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh no, they've already established that this technology exists in this universe. I don't doubt one minute that they would have it in this laboratory and be able to recreate it. Like, there's so much of that where I think... I have to assume it was intentional and it's just good storytelling where it's like, if I'm going to introduce this thing, I don't want it to be distracting. So I'll find a way to introduce it a little bit earlier where it makes a little bit more sense. So when you really need to understand what's going on, you're not thinking about why is, how do they have a hologram of this room? This, what is going on here? Yeah. And they kind of do the same thing with, I'm going to try not to call him Bill Nye, the science guy, but it, his name is pretty <laughs> much the same. Bill Nye, he, Bill Nye, mm -hmm. uh, they even do a good job of setting him up as the villain. They don't beat you over the head with it. But at the end, when you realize that it is him, it makes mm. perfect sense. Yeah. And even his poke, the ditto that can transform itself. Like they plant those. It's almost like going back and watching the sixth sense. Once you know what the end is and you're like, Oh, f there were a ton of breadcrumbs. Like when you, they make a point, where the first time you see Ditto on the screen, it's pushing Bill Nye's character off, and his son goes, no one likes your Pokemon. Like, they make a, a point 
for you to understand like he has a pokemon that like there's a reason that there's a problem here and then when it comes back later it's like oh yeah they've already established this thing's a, a little monster <laughs> monstrosity that can transform into people so it doesn't feel like oh you know completely weird or out of place yeah um just a little side note about uh his pokemon um I saw that uh, Suki Waterhouse was in the cast. Uh, I know her from a movie called The Bad Batch. And, you know, God love her. She's she's known for being a model, not an actress, because she cannot act to save her <laughs> life. And when I saw her in the cast, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. But they never let her speak. No. It's, a, it's a perfect role for her. Like, she's yeah. she's visually striking, but she never speaks. <laughs> yeah. Again, they know what they're doing in this movie. Every step of the way, they, <laughs> they get it. Um, and I would even put this... Uh, I guess we can start just kind of talking about, you know, we've talked about that. Well, kid noir, I just thought, you know, it's interesting. If you're going to do a kid or a family movie, like to choose film noir is somehow going to be the, the accompanying genre. I think they did a fantastic job of keeping it smart enough for the adults to be able to watch it especially as we'll we'll talk about ryan reynolds but they keep the story smart enough where as an adult you don't feel like a complete like your brain is melting because it's so dumb but at the same time it's enough that a kid can follow and can enjoy because at the end of the day even if the kid doesn't follow the film noir stuff like they're only in it to watch the pokemon and those are in there like you know every other minute you're getting to see another one so it's keeping them entertained so yeah, I think it's just, it's a fantastic balance. It goes back to, you know, like Shrek, one of those movies where like clearly the people that were writing it made a kid's movie for adults to enjoy. And I think Detective Pikachu falls in that same that same bucket where the people who wrote this wanted to make sure that if you took to see, you took your kid to go and watch this, that you weren't ready to blow your brains out by the end of it. Like you, there was something for you to enjoy as well. Yeah, no doubt. I, the first third of the movie, especially, I was completely engrossed. Um, and, and the noir aspect was such a great way to introduce, uh, was it Rhyme City? Mm hmm. Um, I mean, the, the data dump on the train, uh, and I say data dump, but they did it in a very believable way. Like, I felt like the, the the lead character needed to know that information just as much as the audience. So it didn't mm -hmm. feel like we're just downloading the plot to you. And yeah, the, the element of, you know, being a detective, you know, going to different locations, using the reporter, um, all that stuff worked brilliantly for me. Uh, again, it's, that's a plot that would work even if Pokemon was not attached to this. And I think mm -hmm. that's key. They're not, they're not just leaning on the IP um, when I found out there was a Pokemon movie, I'm like, oh, is it just going to be like the, the Hugh Jackman movie, Real Steel, where it's just, mm -hmm. here's a match, here's another match. No, they, they give you a little bit of taste of that in like the underground where they're, t they're testing the, the purple gas. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, they don't make it a Pokemon battle movie. And I appreciated that so much. Yeah. Even the battle they did was, I think, very tastefully done. And to your point, like they don't even go into a full battle like they introduce like hey battles happen here but at the same time like we don't need to your point a 15 minute battle like it immediately goes into more plot as to what's going on with using the purple gas and immediately everything getting wrecked and now they like they have to figure out what's going on so i again i can appreciate all the little details i mean 
going back to you know when you get to harry's apartment there's a newspaper and the headline of the newspaper is the balloons for the float and then like at the very end the balloons are what's used to establish the gas like there's so much of that where they lay the breadcrumbs like you're supposed to do in movies um that it just it, again it makes it a, a very fun movie to watch and even to go back and rewatch, which I think is interesting. You know, again, not to put the cart in front of the horse like I like we typically do, but rewatchability of this movie. There's there's actually a decent amount of rewatchability with it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's you know I don't know if you have any more you want to talk about, but that was really what I wanted to go into with the kid noir was just the fact that they they did a great job of balancing a family friendly movie with adult elements that keep you know, someone our age. I mean, again, you have no affiliation or attachment to the IP whatsoever, and you still enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about that battle scene, they also established that, you know, Pikachu doesn't remember how to use his powers. So uh, we always praise movies for being efficient. This movie is that, uh, because the battle scene, it, it it's fan service, but it also, like you said, it, 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 pro, it, propels the plot forward and introduces elements that will get paid off later. Mm hmm. So, uh, we'll just run through what I said last for, for me, um, cause you, su you supplied my jellies and he just stole all my balloons, which I'm very interested in hearing about. But, uh, do you want to do one of those or do you want to talk about the cast first? Uh, I want to save the balloons one for the end because it's about okay. the third act. Okay. So, We'll just keep it going in order or somewhat order here. So, uh, gotta cast them all. So, you said you were were very enamored with the the design of the creatures and the, the Pokemon in the movie, so you didn't really notice the acting that much. Um, that was one of my biggest complaints of the movie. Is I was not a huge fan of was it Justice Smith, who I believe plays Tim Goodman. I just thought he was a little. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it was about him. And even like Lucy Steven or I'm um, sorry, Catherine Newitt, who played the reporter, her introduction was a little over the top for me. And then she kind of lives into her character a little bit later. Granted, I think they were doing that intentionally, like almost a, as a wink and a, a, a joke on the femme fatale. Like it always like this weird introduction to the femme fatale, which I think that's what she's supposed to be falling into. But I don't know. There was Justice Smith was the the only weak link with the acting that I I really had. Yeah, I think they did him a disservice by the way he is introduced in this movie, um, because the I remember some of the actual Pokemon characters. I, I think in the cartoon, or I don't know what came first. If it was a trading card game, and then it was a cartoon, or it was a cartoon and a trading card game. But the kid with the red hat. What's his Ash? name? Ash, Ash Ketchum. <clears throat> when they introduce our lead, uh, I couldn't tell if they were trying to make them children, but they looked 35 years old. Like the way they dressed <laughs> them up did not mm. did not do them any favors. I think if they had removed the introduction and just made, um, you said the actor's name was Justice? Justice Smith, yeah. Justice Smith. If they had just made him feel like an adult from the start i think i could have gotten behind his performance but for the first 15 minutes of the movie i was unclear about what age he was supposed to be i thought they were trying to age him down and i'm like he's got a five o'clock shadow 
Um, <laughs> and I think that kind of influenced the way I viewed the rest of his performance. So I'll tell you this. The only other thing that I know of him from is his performance in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which I fell asleep in. So, I yeah, I don't know. Ju- I Justice looked, Smith- yeah, I looked him up. I... I I've seen the Jurassic Park movies that he's in, but I did not remember him at all. I think from a logical standpoint, again, it, it's fine that he doesn't deliver a great performance because the, the star of the show is Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu <laughs> and the <laughs> whole Pokemon world. So I think it's fine that he's a little bit underplayed. I think the other problem is like you have to go up against Ryan Reynolds as who you're acting against. And I, I think it's they didn't quite do like the men in black. You had Tommy Lee Jones was the straight man. Will Smith was the the Joker. I think this, you know, Ryan Reynolds was clearly the, the comedian in this. I don't know if they played Justice Smith quite straight enough. And maybe that's the problem is he's in that weird like he's not quite the odd couple you need him to be with Detective Pikachu. Um, Again, not not a I don't have a huge problem. He was just. And re- even rewatching the movie, like it's just there's something about his performance that just feels a little off to me. Well, and I mean, it's probably the fact that, you know, he's not actually acting against Ryan Reynolds. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know how they. You know, who was delivering the dialogue at the on set? Uh, you know, I would doubt that Ryan Reynolds and uh, the, the God. Why do I keep forgetting his name? What's his name? Justice Just, Smith. Justice Smith. I, I'd be surprised if Justice Smith ever met Ryan Reynolds during the filming of this movie until that last train scene. Yeah. So Which I'll, is, I'll I mean, cut him a little bit of slack for that. And even to that point, if that is the case they ever met, like they did a good job with with working together, if that's the case. I mean, because there's... The, <laughs> granted, a lot of Ryan Reynolds jokes are kind of under his breath and stuff like that. Like all the stuff about like Tim and Lucy, like him trying to be smooth and like all of his... Right. Pikachu giving him a hard time about everything like was that the best line you had like oh that did not come off the way you thought it did like there's so there's so much of that where he is just griefing Tim throughout the entire movie that is just fantastic yeah have you ever talked to a girl what coming out of the womb I was like whoa that is, that is definitely not a kid joke <laughs> I've talked to plenty of them what, coming out of the womb okay Good on them. They snuck that one in. I feel like that was one of that was definitely had to be an ad lib from Ryan Reynolds, and they were just like, let's just see if we can get it to pass. Like, I don't feel like a writer wrote that into the script and it was approved. Yeah, I at the beginning I started jotting down great Ryan Reynolds lines as Pikachu. I eventually, probably 10, 15 minutes in, stopped because I would venture to say that literally every joke that he makes, it worked for me, like to varying degrees. But I always at least cracked a smile with every joke that Ryan Reynolds was going for. And I even think that's a large portion of why this movie is so enjoyable. Like, again, I think fantastic script writing and a pretty decent story and all that. But Ryan Reynolds really does. I mean, he steals the show as Pikachu and just his delivery and, and his jokes. But... Uh, I'm trying to get 100,000 steps in this hour, bro. <laughs> yeah, with my little legs. Huh? Do that. <laughs> uh, you need a saddle. And it, here's the thing. it's It must be so difficult to be Ryan Reynolds 
Because you're, you're carrying this entire script. If you get tired of Ryan Reynolds, this movie fails completely. Yeah, I, nev- I never got tired of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in one of the weirdest scenes, I want to ask you about that. What did you think about the Mr. Mime scene? Because oh, they, they actually had to, like, they had to pitch that. Like, they, it was very hard for them to get that in the movie because, like, I think some of the people, the producers, like, this isn't going to translate. Like, this isn't going to happen. And, like, they had to do, like, a formal pitch to get that scene into the movie. I mean, is that is that an established Pokemon as well, Mr. Yeah, Ryan? he's he's one of the original, like, 150. He's in there. Oh, God, I, I loved that scene. <laughs> I, I mean, just Ryan Reynolds narrating the, the charades game and then the, the gasoline. That, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that had to be pitched because that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Even the way the scene ends with him dropping the imaginary match and you just hear the flame in Mr. Pine's eyes dart him and just hard cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's perfect comedic timing with that. With the, <laughs> Like, oh, he's 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 trying to escape on a motorcycle like that. Oh, that bit played so well for me. I can't did believe you that notice, had to be convinced. Did you notice he did the fatal attraction, like opening his legs? Yes. I was, again, I was like, there's probably 20 percent of the audience for this movie got that reference, but I appreciated it so much. <laughs> uh, but uh. Yeah, I, I Bill. Yeah, having Bill Nahai on there, and then Ken Watanabe as I just—that's honestly one of my complaints. Is I wish I had more Ken Watanabe. Like, cause anything he's in, I mean, I, he just again he has such a presence. Like even Inception. Like all I think back to is like I would have loved to have had him more in Inception. Like he's just he's a phenomenal a- actor, and, and when he's on screen, you you want more of him. Um, I thought for sure he was going to be a villain. Mm-hmm. Um. And because I love Ken Watanabe so much, I'm glad that ultimately he wasn't a villain, but he plays a very small part. I did love his Pokemon as well, though. The little angry dog that apparently is not actually angry. He just looks angry. Yeah, uh, yeah it, goes, it goes back to it, though. Like, they did a fantastic job of translating those Pokemon into that world. So... I uh, I don't have much else and and gotta cast them all other than the fact that you know just talking about I I think the three the three leads I think they definitely got into a rhythm later in the movie and again I have no idea in what order that the movie was actually shot in Ryan Reynolds clearly takes the takes the cake in terms of performance do you know who they originally what uh, there was a petition to get cast as Detective Pikachu mm, no idea. Originally, when people found out that the movie was got greenlit, they wanted Danny DeVito. Which I honestly would have loved to, but it would have been a completely, I think it would have been a completely different movie. Like, I would love it if you could pay Danny DeVito to deliver all of the jokes Ryan Reynolds did and just see, even if it's just his voice instead of Ryan Reynolds' voice, how much it changes Pikachu if you had Danny DeVito's voice instead. Yeah, I'm curious why people wanted Danny DeVito. Is it just because he's small in stature? I just think he he has, I think, a similar raunchy person or like, uh, was it sense of humor? I mean, I think he could have delivered most of the jokes that Ryan Reynolds did. It's just I don't know if he felt more of a father figure than maybe Ryan Reynolds did, especially at the end. (laughs) Yeah, 
If it's Danny DeVito at the end, though, and he hugs the kid, <laughs> and the kid's a foot taller than him, like I, two I feet taller, would, yeah, yeah, I don't think that would work. <laughs> yeah, that might be why they didn't cast Danny DeVito. It's like I, you just this doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we don't know how he would frame the shot. <laughs> also, the fact that Danny DeVito's like sixty-eight years old, so that would also be kind of weird that he's got like a, a twenty-year-old kid or how. However old Justice Smith is supposed to be in this movie, I could not tell yeah. you. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was any, like, the studio actually considered it or not, but yeah, there was a petition to get Danny DeVito to be the voice of Detective Pikachu. So, uh, as we talk about voice before we get into, unless that's what my jellies is. So, I think both of us, the only gripe, major gripe I have with this movie, because I think it is a very tight movie, is <laughs> the fact that that Tim does not know his father's voice. And it's just, that is the one thing where I'm just like, they just didn't even try to explain that away. Like Tim wouldn't know his dad's voice because he hasn't seen him in 10 years or something like that. Or have a thing like, you sound awfully familiar. You sound just like my dad. Anything that would have just (laughs) given us something where it's like, where you're at the end of the movie and the, the reveal is it is his dad. It's like, and you didn't recognize his voice voice at all like at no point you're like this is suspicious you're his pikachu and you sound just like him yeah i understand why they couldn't foreshadow that or set it up at all um and the movie almost got away with it for me on the first watching because uh and this this will kind of tie in perfectly to my jellies um like the movie was surprisingly emotional so at the end i was like oh god his dad's there and then i'm like wait his dad has the same voice as Pikachu, but he never noticed. Like the movie is so good that it, I almost missed that fact. But yeah, I, I couldn't help but be distracted by that point. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even try and do a Batman voice or anything. He's just straight up, just straight up the same voice. So, but, uh, uh, but yeah, you, you talked about how this movie was so tight and everything pays off. Number one, like I said, the emotional arc you could remove the Pokemon element completely and it still works as a dramatic movie, which I give, you know, five stars to that element. The The callback with the, the train ticket, you know, I wish I'd gotten on the train and then at the end he decides to stay. The emotional payoff of this movie was just, was just gangbusters. If you have mm. any sort of complicated relationship with your father on any level, this movie w- will hit you. Um, and, and it did for me. Well, yeah, so that was my even the, and even to that point, like as much as I gave like Justice Smith a little bit of grief that he was my, I did think when he's like the second time he talks to, to the detective Ken Watanabe, and he's like, "No, your dad's dead. Like, just stop. Like, there isn't any hope. Like, it's done." Before he gets picked up by Bill Nye's guys, I um, I like he that whole delivery of him. Like, I just wish I had gotten a chance to like I thought he didn't care and i just i wish i had a chance to, to get to know him like yeah that was that's a was very well delivered especially to a cgi you know mouse next to you so and if you if you were if it wasn't tugging on your emotional heartstrings the facial expressions that that pikachu makes in that scene <laughs> i'm like jesus christ they are really pouring it on right now <laughs> and i mean that's a compliment but they, yeah. they knew what they were doing mm-hmm yeah and it's, you know, to, to just go back to the to the to paying stuff off or setting stuff up. Like even the, 
all of the genetically modified stuff i think pays off especially like when you have the giant turtles and like the earth is like that's a set piece that i'm like if you had told me that was going to be them like how are they possibly going to make it it make any sense that this is what they're having to deal with and i'm like i'll be damned like they did they set it up like these look like the regular size and then all of a sudden the earth is shattering around them i was like oh no <laughs> that's because these are the big ones like <laughs> so i also just want to point out that what the movie does a good job of is every time i had a thought about like oh this is a generic beat and uh it popped to mind because of the scene we were just talking about uh outside before bill nighy's uh pokemon pulls up in the in the suv I was like, oh, wow, there's a generic bad guy vehicle. And then right as I thought that, Detective Pikachu calls out like, oh, that's a that's definitely a bad guy vehicle. <laughs> like, I, I loved every time the movie did that. <laughs> yeah, very self-aware. Yes. Well, and even they take chances with, like some of the shots, like there's the horror shot when they're going through like the, the wrecked laboratory. And it's like almost from the men in black where like he's walking around or even aliens, you know, when he's walking around and the slime hits him and he looks up and then the girl's been captured. Like, no, nope, there's I mean, that's a creepy shot, you know, even done with Pokemon. So, <laughs> Yeah, I thought Mewtwo as a villain or I, I, technically a villain or what you perceive mm -hmm. as a villain for most of the movie, you know, character design was well done, but also like a, a menacing, a menacing foe. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I think lastly, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up here with he just stole all my balloons. Uh, do you recognize that quote? Uh, I feel like I should, but I don't. Uh, well, here's what I'll say. I did not expect for the climax of this movie to be 1989's Batman. Oh, where, damn it. yes. Where he's going to gas all the citizens with uh, with parade balloons. Um so here's here's my biggest complaint about the movie. The the father's voice thing, I can I can be like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Why is it? Number one, why does he want to gas everyone and fuse them with their Pokemon? And number two, why does the gas merge everyone with their Pokemon? And yet Bill Nighy needs to wear the headset to be merged with Mewtwo. Like, wouldn't he be better suited to be one of the people on the street that just inhales the gas with their Pokemon next to them and then he fuses with Mewtwo instead of the clear weakness to his plan is if somebody just takes the headset off of me, I'm fucked. I think, and maybe they, I'll, I'll agree, they probably should have stressed maybe Mewtwo's immunity to the gas or something like that, but... I think it goes back to Mewtwo supposed to be the most powerful Pokemon ever created. And the gas was essentially derived from him. Like that's what they captured him for was to be able to use that. So I agree. It's one of those, like, how do you make it to where he can be defeated type things? But I think it just had to go to show how powerful Mewtwo was that the only way to control him was with an actual like physical neural link that you wouldn't be able to. Cause I guess it would have been, Bill Nye would have had to put the thing on him, and then as soon as he took over Mewtwo's body, then merged them together. Because the first thing was he had to be able to to control Mewtwo's mind before he could take control of Mewtwo's powers. So, to your point, that's that's how I think the only way that would have worked is after he controlled him, he then merged with him, but... But what, then why didn't he do that? Because he uses the gas on Mewtwo to be able to put the headset on, because he's still in that little chamber and then the purple gas mm. comes in and then 
they mind meld or whatever. I I don't know. It's not a it's not a deal breaker as far as enjoying this movie, but mm-hmm. I'm like, what you everybody else on the street got their got your wish to be to be merged with a Pokemon, and yet I don't know. It just it, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I think that's one of those. I, I would love to see if there was a deleted scene or something. Was like we just couldn't fit it in. Like it didn't make sense for him to make a line about why he didn't merge with Mewtwo or like, oh, Mewtwo's unmergeable or something like that. But yeah, it's it's one of those things I never thought about, and I guess it's just because at that point in the movie, like everything else had been done so well, I just I never put much consideration to why didn't he go ahead and merge himself with Mewtwo after they did the the Neuralink. Yeah, it, it's kind of a similar problem, and this will be a random movie pool, but the very first X-Men, at the end, Magneto wants to make everybody else a mutant. At least in that case, I kind of understand why. Like, hey, you're discriminating against mutants. I'm going to make you the thing that you hate. In this case, I understand why Bill Nighy wants, you know, because he can't use his legs. He's got this degenerative disease, so I can see why he wants a new body, but why is he obsessed with giving everybody else a, a Pokemon infusion. Um, yeah, it, I think it... Yeah, I, was just, I think it's just they didn't take his craziness far enough or, like, his son is like, no, he's legitimately insane. Like, the things that he's been doing and what his goals are, are, like, he's he's gone mad with power or something like that. Because, yeah, to your point, like, oh, you understand his motivation, but why does he then need everyone else to merge with theirs as well, other than the fact that he's become so obsessed with his thought process that he thinks doing that will make everyone else better. And it's almost like the, the Steve jobs, like I'm going to take your floppy drive away, not because you wanted me to, but because I'm going to force you to evolve into something different. So, and I just, to to your point, I don't think that they stress that enough. And I think that's because they were trying to wait for the big, you know, reveal at the end that actually he's the bad guy that they didn't give themselves enough time to establish him as basically he's gone insane yeah, and again, that's just a minor complaint. You know, if if at the end of Die Hard, I completely don't understand Hans Gruber's motivation, that would be a big problem. But for a property like this, it, it's it's small potatoes as a complaint. But yeah, it, it distracted me in the third act. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I did think it was funny with the balloons that they kept. So you did all of these realistic Pokemon but then where they decide to sprinkle in the traditional drawing, like cartoons of them. So it's like, oh, the balloons, we're going to do the balloons and what they look like in the animated series, even though this is still this physical world. Like, yeah, I, I, so much world building. Um, I just, I do really enjoy the amount of love and attention that went into making this movie. And even to that point, I mean, we talk about cash grabs all the time, and maybe this winds up being one of those men in black type things where it's like, you would think that if this was successful and if Pokemon is the most successful IP in the world, like they would just be churning these movies out now. Like, Oh man, we already have 60 of these, you know, things made graphically. Now we just make a new movie. We can throw it out there. Even if it's direct to video, like we've got 80 of their designs done. We can put anybody in these and just basically really water down the IP, but they don't like they, they stay true to like, Nope, we'll make another one, but we're going to make sure that it's just as good. Yeah, I think that that's why I mentioned Toho at the beginning. I, it just feels like there's a level of care here that is not present in a lot of other franchise filmmaking. Um, you, you talked about the balloons. Like, I loved the the in-universe, like, Pokemon merchandise. I loved that 
Pikachu points out like, hey, your your dad designed this room for you. Isn't it funny that he picked Pikachu for your bed? <laughs> so, yeah, I love that even in universe, like people are marketing and, and, and merchandising Pokemon. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I just like I said, very, very well-rounded movie. Um, if you have nothing else to say, I think we can go ahead and, and jump into some of our other seg segments. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we talk about IP being profitable and all that. So obviously, I think Blue Book is, is a good transition here. So Travis, the sticker price on this year flick was $150 million. That's what it cost in 20, I guess, 18 if it came out in 2019. But that, that's our, you know, late 2010 to 20s dollars here. What do you think it brought in U.S. and Canada? Uh, I'll say 195. One, about 144 million is what it brought in U.S. and Canada. So it, it almost broke even in domestic markets. What do you think it brought in worldwide? This is one of the tougher ones I've ever done because I feel like this might be one of the rare examples where the international gross outpaces the North American gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say total worldwide. I'll say it it doubled its 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 production budget. I'll say three hundred and one million. Gross worldwide, four hundred and thirty three million dollars. And what year did this come out? Technically, twenty nine May and May of twenty nineteen. So this yeah, is this right before. It's got to get a sequel at some point. Yeah, it's it is. It's a sequel is being developed, which but again with care. So it's not one of those where it made that much money and they're immediately like, okay, what's the next Pokemon? Like the success of this movie, basically Nintendo was like, okay, well, well, we'll humor making another one. <laughs> I'm interested to see. So this was super successful, and apparently it was a lot of what actually convinced them to do this, and was the popularity of Pokemon Go. You know, uh, just because of how which I much have of, played, I have played. Well, there you go. Okay, okay. Um, because of the the popularity of that, you know, I think Nintendo was like, okay, there's there's a chance we could do something here. I'm very interested to see what happens with the Mario movie. I think that one has the potential of of being another Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Yeah, I've got zero expectation or hopes for that. Yeah. I just think so. as an IP, I just I don't think you can make that work in a movie. Well, the weird thing is, too, is I had read somewhere that apparently like they cast Chris Pratt, which I was already like, fuck, why does he have to be? <laughs> why does he have to be the lead of another thing? But uh, apparently he's not doing an Italian accent, which on one hand is good because that means it won't be overly racist. On the other hand, Mario's always been an Italian plumber, so I'm not sure how they're gonna like. I guess you know Bob Hoskins didn't do the Italian accent, but that was also kind of a grittier Christopher Nolan style version of Mario <laughs> Brothers. I'm like, Chris, I just don't know what they're doing with this movie. Yeah, and I mean on its head, you know the Pokemon property doesn't really work as a movie, so you would you would have to be uh, you'd have to be creative in the manner that this movie is with the storyline. Where it would work if it wasn't a Mario film, but it it just happens to star Mario. Mm -hmm. Yep. So who is Luigi? Did they cast Luigi? 
Uh, yes, Charlie Day. Okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Okay. And Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, and Jack Black is Bowser. Wait, what? How is Donkey Kong involved in Mario? I mean, technically, Mario. Yeah, I mean, the oh, original yeah, Donkey you... Kong's Mario is the the hero. Yeah, that's right. That's right. God, that so sounds sure. like such a fucking cash grab. But I would, in fairness, I would have said the same thing about this movie while it was in production. So. Mm-hmm. so we'll see. I mean, maybe it will be, you know, uh, good. I don't know. We'll see. So you ready for some tag and title? Absolutely. Alrighty, sir. I'm going to give you three taglines. All right. One of them is an official tagline for this movie. One is a tagline I created, and one is a tagline for a movie I found adjacent to this. What I need you to do is tell me the original tagline for this movie. Are you ready? Hit me. Searching far and wide. Partner up with a legend. It's the story of a man, a woman, and a rabbit in a triangle of trouble. <laughs> that last one is, I'm going to bet who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> um, partner Speaking up with of a, Bob Hoskins. <laughs> partner up with a legend. Give me the first one one more time. Searching far and wide. I'm going to say you made that one up and then partnering with a legend is an official tagline of this movie. You nailed it again this week, even with the bonus point. So searching far and wide as part of the lyrics to the Pokemon anime. It's searching far and wide each Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. So I actually pulled lyrics from that, which Ryan Reynolds sings as Pikachu in this movie <laughs> when he's crying. Yeah. <laughs> That is, God, yeah, kudos to Ryan Reynolds. I, I can't tell you how difficult it must be to essentially carry an hour and 45 minute movie and not get tired of that performance, but he absolutely pulls it off. Mm-hmm. So I think that brings us to time capsule. Do you have a time capsule for us this week? Yeah, it's a weak one. I couldn't find any OC connections. Uh, I couldn't find anybody that was dead from the cast. Um, oh, wow. But I always like to tie into our Tinseltown days when I can. Do you know what this director also made? He has a very sparse filmography, uh, but he did make a movie back in our Tinseltown days. Crash. I hate you. <laughs> Uh, no, it was, a, <laughs> uh, Shark's Tale. Oh, okay. Which I, I thought, uh, I don't remember it super well, but I thought that was a fun, as I recall, like a fun movie for children, but gave you enough. I mean, technically, I, I guess I was technically an adult at 18 years mm-hmm. old when it was out, but it gave me enough to enjoy, even though I wasn't like a seven year old child. So. Yeah. Very interesting. That was actually his kind of dec- or pectoral, 
directorial debut with Shark Tale. That's what I, I wasn't positive if I remember that correctly that it was his debut, but I thought yeah. it was. Monsters versus Aliens was good too. Um, I remember that one. Gulliver's Travels I never saw, but that, I believe that had um, Jack Black in it. And then I actually heard good things. He did the Goosebumps uh, movie. I heard good things about that one. I, I haven't seen it. I wanted to, but I I'd heard good things. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know there was a Goosebumps movie. Mm -hmm. Jack Black. Jack Black plays R.L. Stein. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wait. So is it, it's like a, a a meta kind of movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, hey, so. he he pulled it off with Detective Pikachu. So yeah, maybe that's his thing. Could be. Only time will tell. And then I guess he's actually directing a Goosebumps series. So be interesting to see what happens there. Kudos to him, though. He did a great job with this. I even, you know, obviously, you know, taking reference from other, like, neo-noir and, and, and sci-fi noir with, like, Blade Runner and stuff like that, I, I thought the city was well done. I thought the city was great during the day and at night when it was neon lit. I thought it was very well, very well done. Yeah, I was very impressed with all of the, the locations of this movie, like the secret lab, uh, the shots of, like, you know, the drone shots, like, going across the mountains you got that long bridge over the mm. river I, I thought this movie was was very pretty to look at as well yeah so alrighty well I think that brings us to our final segment chop shop now this week are you ready for some chop shop let me ask you that first absolutely nice. although I, I, I kind of cheated this week but I, I'm ready do some choppy chop here so i got horror and if i'm i'm not even doing a bit this week i don't remember what you got was it sci-fi it was sci-fi yeah okay so maybe i did remember what you got this week it was like sci-fi yeah, sci sci who would you like to go first uh mine's very brief so i i'll let you decide uh okay i'll open my i'll open up i think yeah i'll go and go first this week so i got horror all right, let's do this. So the movie is going to open up on a ship as it's moving through a, a fog-soaked harbor, all right? Tim Goodman, an insurance appraiser, is leaning over the metal ledge of, you know, this, this small boat, um, like, a, like a ferry, right? Uh, when he's approached by journalist Lucy Stevens and her drowsy. So I'm not sure if you remember drowsy. It's a psychic-type Pokemon, kind of looks like a, it's got like an elephant snout on it. Wait, I thought um, she had Psyduck. I changed it for my movie. Why? So. I love Psyduck. We didn't get a chance to compliment Psyduck, but I love because Psyduck. Because mine's a horror movie and I need fucking drowsy, okay? That's why, okay? <laughs> Psyduck wasn't going to work for my movie. Psyduck has psychic powers, Brad. I mean, he could be carried. Yeah, when he's not having migraines or a ticking time bomb, all right? I didn't need that to be the suspense of my movie. Fair enough, but just shout out Psyduck. I didn't, I didn't yeah. get a chance to compliment him. <laughs> Psyduck. 
uh even that pays off very well where he keeps bringing it up keeps bringing it up and then they use that as the way to get away from the enemy so yeah, everything is 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 uh very well paced and, and again breadcrumbed in the in detective pikachu but so side up <laughs> so the two have some small talk on the ferry uh asking each other why they're on uh, you know heading to the island um there's not much on it. It's just a small town and an insane asylum. So Tim admits that he's there to visit the town's morgue because he's been notified that his father was found dead on the island. And Lucy makes an offhand comment that, you know, there's been a lot of strange things and disappearances on the island. Um, and that she's going there to interview a Harry Scorchman, a patient at the asylum who was committed after uh, corrupting his Pokemon and murdering his family with them. All right. I'll have oh, you know shit. originally. Okay. Yeah. So Tim arrives at the morgue, but the body that he identifies is not his father. So he's a little disheveled, you know, doesn't quite know what to do. So he, he walks over to the town bar where he just so happens to see Lucy. So, you know, no, yeah, seeing him and, and you know, from the, the ferry, she walks over and asks him how he's doing. And he says, yeah, you know, he's not quite sure. You know, he and his father never had a, a great relationship, but he was actually honestly hoping to get some closure on this trip. So Lucy encourages him to investigate the island that if this was the last place he knew his father was, that maybe he's still around. So reluctantly, he teams up with Lucy. Lucy asks him um, uh, uh, about a, you know his, his partner Pokemon when he says he hasn't trained any Pokemon since he was a boy. There was an incident with his mother, and uh, he, he quit pursuing Pokemon after that. Doesn't really talk more about it. So... While exploring the island, Tim begins to have flashbacks and dreams about his childhood. There was an explosion and a fire that, that killed his mother. Um, as they investigate the island, Tim comes across a Pikachu that is that has taken a liking to him. The small Pokemon has a tag that indicates that he's actually a therapy Pokemon from the asylum, and that kind of causes you know Tim and Lucy's attention to be shifted more towards the institution. So. Using her journalistic credentials, Lucy gets them to access to the grounds uh, where she goes to, to interview Harry. While waiting, it is revealed that Harry has escaped, but is still somewhere on the island. Tim begins to tour the facility with the, uh, when the Pikachu leads him down a hall, and he finds himself lost in, a, lost in a series of dark tunnels and corridors. So, you know, in a lot of these horror movies, he, he kind of gets lost, and suddenly out of the shadows comes harry scorchman right so he's paranoid he's he's terrified because you know he's heard that harry is is a psychopath who murdered his family but harry claims that he was wrongfully admitted and that they are being experimented on with pokemon uh at the old fire station he tells tim that he can't trust anyone that he has to find help and then he disappears back into the shadows before a large flame engulfs harry screaming out in horror tim rushes in but can find no trace of Harry whatsoever in like this dead end corridor. Lucy finds Tim shortly after and asks him what happened. Tim says that he just got lost, but doesn't mention Harry or the fire with Harry missing. Lucy suggests that they uh, continue to look for Tim's father. Tim mentions that his father was a detective and maybe that he was investigating the asylum for Pokemon misuse. Lucy asks why he would think that. And that's when he comes clean about, you know, finding Harry and learning about the fire station. So, the two agree to investigate the fire station, but before they leave, Tim has another flashback to his mother engulfed in flames and his father shouting commands to Pokemon. Tim is now starting 
to begin to think that his father had something to do with his mother's death and that he must be getting suppressed memories from his youth, right? So the two get to the fire station where they find a series of tunnels and secret doors. Pokemon can be heard behind the large metal doors and Tim is convinced they found the experiments. They find an open room at the end of the hallway uh, with... Uh, they find... Oh, uh, yes, they find a... Uh, a God damn it. They find an open room with a single operating chair sitting in the center with a spotlight on it. The Pikachu kind of signals over for Tim, and Tim walks over to find a pile of clothes with a wallet holding a picture of him, his mother, and his father. Lucy is in shock and says that she's going to get help, but when she leaves the room, she can be heard screaming, and the door slams shut. Tim has a panic attack and passes out and begins to have another flashback where he sees his father shouting, fire blast before a large explosion engulfs the room his mother was in when tim awakens he's in the hospital wing of the asylum he's surrounded by doctors nurses and a detective from the town tim swears that there are experiments on the island and the police have to intervene he demands to know what happened to lucy when she walks around the corner in a lab coat tim begins to freak out and shouts that they're all in on it they did it they killed him when Tim is sedu- or sedated by the drowsy, so he's, he's put to sleep, and reawakens with Lucy explaining that she's a doctor on the island, and that he was actually, uh, and that it was actually an attempt to help Tim come to realize what actually happened. The island has been using Pokemon there for their healing properties for years, and that this was the last attempt to save Tim. Tim asks about his father, and Lucy explains that his mother and father are both dead. When Tim was younger, he was gifted a Houndor, which is a dark fire... Uh, type dog pokemon during a fight with his parents he caused the dark fire type pokemon to unleash a fire that and trapped them in a room his father using his own fire type tried to blast an opening in the wall behind them so they could escape but the room collapsed and exploded before they could escape tim blamed his father for the incident um because he gave him the pokemon after their deaths tim was deemed unfit to train or manage pokemon and has been and had been sent to several facilities to try and rehabilitate him Lucy explains that they've had some success in the past, but Tim's trauma has been particularly hard to overcome, but she's confident they'll find a breakthrough soon. She has her drowsy put Tim back to sleep. The scene cuts. The next scene is a fairy going through dark fog with Tim hunching over a rail, Lucy approaching him and saying that she's a reporter asking him why he's coming to the island. I love a good uh, <clears throat> snake eating its tail kind of plot. Mm-hmm. So that's I went with more like horror suspense with this one. So you know, a lot of shots of dark hallways and are they being hunted? Is is someone out to get them? You know, uh, the the vibe I got. I don't know if it inspired you at all, but I got a little bit of a, a Shutter Island kind of vibe. <laughs> it's exactly. What yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was very much, very much inspired by Shutter Island. <laughs> Yeah, very atmospheric. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well done, sir, as usual. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, so I have to admit, I feel like I got off a little easy this week because this movie already falls into blockbuster, family, sci-fi. Sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like, there's a certain number. I'm like, if I start taking out things, we won't have anything to actually make these movies into. So I was like, when you got sci-fi, I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, where where he takes takes this 
So originally, I was just going to throw my hands in the air and be like, Brett, this is already fucking sci-fi. But like you said, it's already a lot of genres. And then I kind of thought we could have a little bit of a Ryan Reynolds crossover. You know what I'm going to say? I, I mean, I was going to probably Deadpool, maybe don't say life. Don't bring that. that Motherfucker, it's life. son of a bitch. Because in a way, number one, I, I didn't get a chance to mention this. I love how they kind of just very quickly, like through cave paintings, showed that man and Pokemon have been interacting since the beginning of time. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do it with like a cheesy flashback where like a prehistoric man is running across a field and meets, you know, squirtle for the first time yeah but just yeah i I like the way that they set that up but didn't put too much effort into it um but i think you could easily just also say that um pokemon are are space aliens much like calvin so i'm thinking you make a kind of life-esque movie where like a megalomania it it basically is, is life crossed with godzilla versus kong when you think about it we would have like a megalomaniac Elon Musk type who's trying to go to space, uh, but like he'll be paralyzed. Uh, oh, so Prometheus. Wait, was that the plot of Prometheus? That's not far oh, off from the plot. Oh, shit. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I guess this movie's already been made. <laughs> but I'm thinking a, a deep space mission uh, to try to bring back a Pokemon who turns out to be Calvin. And in our life review, you kind of hinted that you were hoping that Calvin would just take over Ryan Reynolds and be, you know, it'd be kind of a thing, like who's mm-hmm. who kind of situation. I'm thinking like, uh, you know, in Alien, Wayland yutani the, the crew is completely expendable. So Ryan Reynolds does get Calvin in his mouth and Calvin takes him over. And uh kind of like an Edgar situation in Men in Black, he slowly kind of decomposes and starts to look more and more like the Calvin. We remember the Calvin final form. Mm-hmm. And so when Calvin gets to Earth, he's voiced by Ryan Reynolds. That's it. Okay. That's all the thought I put into it. So Calvin's a Pokemon now is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, okay, the, got it. It's a, it's a deep space mission to find a Pokemon that will somehow help our megalomaniac walk um so yeah calvin's so again prometheus you're just yeah (laughs) you're just i didn't realize i was ripping off prometheus completely but yeah just prometheus except Mm. the alien is voiced by ryan reynolds got it all right that makes sense so (laughs) uh all right i I just watched this movie like four hours ago so you know it's it's all good for time it's all good that's you kept you were dreading it weren't you you put it off as long as you possibly could uh, I'll be honest, I was I was going to watch it last night, but I was tired after work and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to dedicate my Friday night to this piece of shit. In hindsight, I really wish that I had because it's <laughs> it's it's far from a piece of shit. Yep. So I'm <laughs> Put glad that on the box cover. It's far from a piece of shit. I, I'm glad that as of right now, I'm two two and oh for like hard recommendations for you. Like, I really want you to watch this movie. I think I think you'll actually enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I guess we can skip right into the final part. Would I recommend this movie? Absolutely. Uh, I, again, you've, you've established this, you've hinted at it. I know next to nothing about Pokemon. I, I've seen the cards. I played Pokemon Go a little bit. Um, 
But if, if you haven't been listening to the Cantina side hustle, this movie exacerbates why I'm having so much trouble with that series, <laughs> because that series, it just takes for granted the fact that you're a, a massive Star Wars fan. It, it feels like it can be lazy and just have the most rudimentary level of writing and you'll still eat it up because it's Star Wars. I feel like Pokemon, like, I, I mean, you said it, it's a technically a more popular IP than Star Wars. I feel like they easily could have mailed this movie in, but they made a movie where if you remove the Pokemon element, it is still a functional movie with a character arc that I believe that has an emotional impact. So very high recommend. If you ever, if you're a parent and, you know, your kid wants to watch a movie 800 times, you could do worse than them watching Detective Pikachu with you. Uh, because, yeah, I, I'd like to go back and watch it again just to appreciate some of the Ryan Reynolds jokes. But then kind of look in the in the nooks and crannies of the movie and see some of the, the Pokemon character designs that maybe I missed. So absolutely, Brett, you're 2-0. and oh. uh, Really enjoyed this movie. Excellent. No, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. So, I mean, I I pretty much said it at the beginning. I, I very much I I own this movie. I I can't wait to actually be able to watch it with my daughter. Well, I tried this time and she got about 15 minutes into it before she said she wanted to watch Blue's Clues. So, I don't think she's quite at the age yet where she can appreciate it. Um, well, here's here's the worst part. I asked her, like, honey, do you want to watch Detective Pikachu with me? She goes, yeah, I want to. 15 minutes into the movie, Pikachu hasn't shown up yet. So, like, I think she thought I bait and switched in her because she's like, I was told I was getting Detective Pikachu. I, <laughs> where's Pikachu? And I'm like, I, th they're setting up the world. You need to understand. I need to understand. Like, he'll be here. Oh, okay. Now we'll just watch Blue's Clues. I'll finish this in a minute. I'll finish this when you go to bed. <laughs> Is she familiar with Pikachu, though? Oh, yeah. she. I mean, she plays Pokemon Go on my phone all the time. So, And she has her own little Pokemon figures and stuff like that. So she's she's familiar with, with a bunch of the monsters and stuff like that. So, But, yeah, I definitely think... I think this is a, a movie that most people can enjoy. To, to your point, though, if you don't like Ryan Reynolds, don't watch this movie. Because you, you will absolutely hate this movie. But I think it is... Very well done, very well structured. I think it is a, a a great movie. I think you'd be a hard time watching it and when it's over regretting it. So you might not love it as much, but I I don't think you'll regret watching it. I so. certainly didn't, much to my surprise. So next week because <laughs> we I made this a really weird trilogy. We next week we get face off. So I think I only actually put one true body swap movie in the body swap trilogy. It's it's almost the double cross trilogy. Like they're all in the same realm. I don't think it's as bad as the double cross where I don't think we did an an action a single double cross movie at all, but Freaky Friday they actually switch bodies. Pikachu they don't switch bodies. Ryan Reynolds is just deposited into Pikachu's mind. And Face Off they don't switch bodies at all. They just switch faces. So like I don't think I actually like despite calling it the bo or the body swap trilogy, I don't I think only one of them actually has a body swap. An Even actual body swap in it. If we're being honest, Face Off is technically a body switch because it's not like, you know, chubby John Travolta's running around with Nick Cage's face on. So Yeah. I believe Which I'm there's sure even a we'll scene get into. where they, they do laser liposuction to, to make yeah. Travolta skinny. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that next week. 
yeah, I am looking forward to. I think it'll be funny to see in the wrap up which of these we think is the most unrealistic and bonkers movie. Um, when you have one is a daughter and <laughs> a Chinese mischief god, as far as I'm concerned, has swapped the body of a mother and daughter after a small squabble. You have a movie in which uh, elemental monsters exist and they have to track down what's happened to somebody's father. And then a movie where people have their faces surgically removed and then put on somebody like which of these movies is going to be the craziest <laughs> Yeah, and in terms of face-off, you also have a movie where every time there's a gunfight, for some reason, there's 600 doves present as well. Hmm. Oh, Travis, I'm not sure if you want to put your face close to your camera, but just waterfall. <laughs> waterfall. So, I'm looking forward to... I I feel like, as terrible as Freaky Friday was, I feel like we're going to finish strong with our, our final two. I feel like we got the, the rough one out. Yeah, Look, it's been a while since I've seen Face Off. Uh, going into it, I was certain that Face Off was going to be my number one of the trilogy. But I'll tell you, on the rewatch, Face Off has a lot of work to do to top Detective mm. Pikachu. So. All right. I look forward to it. Well, this will be a fun one. So uh, hopefully we'll see you all next week for uh, Face Off. He's being eaten alive. He's being eaten alive. A man is dying. No one is coming. People are so insensitive. Well, I figured, let's figure out how I got into this body by disgusting, by, by disgusting. <clears throat> <laughs> pika, pika.